The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Kareen Eldor. Ever feel like you're playing small? Well, turn up the volume on my podcast, Share a Voice. Every Thursday, I sit down with the wave makers and game changers on everyone's radar. I'll be sharing inspo and takeaways based on my conversations with disruptors, visionaries, and compelling creatives about how they express themselves in their work. Prepare for tons of mic drop moments and subscribe so that you catch every soundbite. I'm fascinated by the power of feeling heard and taking up space. And I'm amped up about sharing these conversations with you. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope you had a wonderful week, probably more eventful than my own, but it's the start of the weekend and I have an all new episode. And today I have a hilarious guest and she's a podcast host of a new podcast here on Dear Media. It's called Shady Shit with Casey Balsham. Hi, Casey. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Thank you. I, I listened to your first podcast this morning and I thought it was awesome. Like you're like the kind of not internal dialogue because you were speaking out loud was the exact same thing as I was listening to you read this story about this haunted house in Ohio. (laughs) When you're like, I die resurrected. I die again. (laughs) Y'all are going to have to go listen to it to know what I'm talking about, but I just love the concept. How did you land on this idea? Do you know what's so funny is that that part that you said that I die, it's one of those things that, you know, it comes out of your (laughs) mouth and you don't ever, like, I didn't remember anything I say, but everybody's like, that was the, that was my favorite part. So thank you for saying that. I, cause like you, like I said, we were saying before, you never know when you throw something out there, if people are going to, how they're going to receive it, especially when you're just talking in a room by yourself. So I, I kind of, I like true crime and I like ghost stories and I just kind of similar worlds in which like I thought just calling it shady would be good. And I, it just, these things fascinate me. Like I'm just, I've never seen a ghost and I, and I think I'd be honestly too chicken shit to even like acknowledge or, or, or do any of that, but I'm so fascinated by that world and by anybody that's had experiences. And then I was doing a true crime podcast before and I kind of wanted to bring some elements of that in, but maybe without like as gruesome of stuff, but just kind <laughs> right. of like, but kind of more like scams and cults and like MLM type stuff. And so it's a mix of all that. I'm, you know, an infinity for all things shady, whether it's like the occult, witch stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. aliens, mm-hmm. Uh, serial killers, and also paranormal experiences. I'm all here for that. I will rabbit hole my nuts off just researching everything. Because it's like, you can go so far down and, and it go, I feel like I go through so many emotions, like being like, is this real? Oh my God, it's real. To like fully my whole body being chilled. I just recorded this thing and I guess I'm late to the game, but have you heard of this tweet thread, this viral tweet thread called Dear David that went like, yes. Super... Okay. So that's what we talked about today. I was like, my feet were oh, on the wall. Yeah. Like my, I couldn't contain my body from having a physical reaction to like seeing these photos and doing that. Like okay. I'm getting chills right now. You it's probably, fucking scary. It's, it's probably fresher in your memory, but just for everyone listening. So we're going to talk about, so mm-hmm. Dear David, this guy 
was tweeting like live almost or would expand over the course of like maybe a week. Like I had never read it before. And so I was reading it and I didn't realize like there's still so much like we're having, I'm having to do a two-parter because I was like, <laughs> this shit's not even done yet. And we had gone through like a few months. So I think it spans from like summer of 2017. And then I think his last one he did is like February of 2018. So yeah, so actually like, a lot longer. So what is this guy? Yeah. So this guy yeah. was seeing a ghost of like a little boy, right? Of a child with like a dented head. <laughs> and there's photos that he was tweeting. There's photos. Is it real? So here's the thing is that like, I want to believe it is, but then he also talks about how he saw this kid in the dream, but then the kid is also real. But then there's videos of like his cats doing weird shit. And then there's like a video of like a rocking chair in the middle of the night, just rocking. And that is like the scary, like, no. like that's when I was like, I need to crawl somewhere. I need to climb something. I don't feel okay. And in, like inside of my body, it was so freaky. Have you ever had any kind of paranormal experience? See, I haven't. And I'm scared. Like I've had sleep paralysis, which oh. we talk, which I feel is like, feels similar to, have you had sleep paralysis before? I don't, I don't know if it's sleep paralysis, but I feel like I've definitely woke up in the night from mm -hmm. something else. I've, I, I used to live in this apartment years ago, me and Tom, and I swore there was a presence there. I always got the most just uneasy feeling and like the hair on the back of my neck would stand up. I always felt like there was somebody kind of just like behind me and it wasn't a good presence. It was a very like right. nervous kind of energy. And I like woke up in the middle of the night and one time like I, I felt like someone's forearms were pressing against <gasps> me. I swear. And again, so I don't know. I mean, maybe it was sleep paralysis, but I feel like, and there was other times I would wake up and just, just out of a dead sleep with just like full anxiety, just like that there was this energy clouded around me. That just was the most intense, freaky feeling. That's scary. But yeah, that's like, I've never, I've never had that like the sleep paralysis for me had always felt like that thing where I'd like wake up and I was like kind of in my body, but I, but I couldn't scream and you can't like, it does, it feels like you're being held down. And I remember always being like, just open your eyes and whatever you see, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but like, I never saw anything, but like, but then I tracked it up later. People were like, no, that's just sleep paralysis. Like there, that wasn't it. But like, that's the closest I've come besides like, sometimes I dream about like my dead grandma, you know? But there is something to like when people visit you in dreams, I know like yeah. when I've talked to other people who are like really into this kind of stuff that they say that that is maybe actually them visiting you from beyond. <laughs> it's so weird. Cause like I, I would love it. Like there was, I had a really vivid one about my grandma one time where I, I feel like I almost woke up kind of like whimpering. Like, cause I was, cause I just, I gave her a hug and oh. it was like, uh, and I was, it was like one of those things I woke up and I looked at my husband and I was like, <laughs> I just hugged my grandma and he's like, all right, I think you need coffee. You know, like he was like, I don't know what happened to you in the night, but, but yeah, I mean, I do believe in that, in that kind of stuff, but I don't associate dreams as the same, you know what I mean? As, just, as feeling like I've seen a ghost. Never personally seen like any kind of apparition. I don't think I'd want to, like whenever I do feel like there is a presence or something is 
there and energy, I always talk out loud to it. Yeah. And I'll say like, it's fine if you're here, if you want to go, that'd be even better. But like, don't bother me. I can't help you. And don't let me see you. Because <laughs> in this Dear David thread, he talks about how the kid just stares at him. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be part of this. Like, we're not friends. You know, like, I don't like, please don't look at me. Like if you need to pace the halls, flick a couple lights, like do you, but like, please don't, don't try to connect with me. Yeah. <laughs> please don't look at me like same thing. All right. I'm interrupting this program because it's now wine o'clock and I want to talk about a wine that I love. I'm really into canned wine these days for some reason. I just, I just am. And Bev is a female first canned wine. And it's really important for me to support a female founded and run business, especially in an industry that is male dominated. I love the packaging and convenience of my little bebs. When I want a little wine, I just grab one from the fridge, crack the lid and enjoy or pour into a glass if I'm feeling fancy. But my fave is the Pinot Gris. It's just the right amount of fizzy, just a little bit of fizzy. It's light, it's crisp, it's refreshing. I'm super into it. But Bev also has a rosé and a Sauvignon Blanc as well as a limited edition extra fizzy wine for the holidays. And get this, it's called Glitz. How cute is that name? See, females, we, we know how to do it. We, we have that sort of flair. But every Bev can has zero sugar, only three carbs and 100 calories. So for anyone who tends to steer away from wine because they're carb conscious or worried about the sugar and calories, this is a great choice. And, and another amazing thing about Bev is they ship directly to you and shipping is always free. Bev would make such a great holiday gift to your friends, your family, or if you just want to stock your fridge, it's perfect. And we've worked out a deal for all of my You're Gonna Love Me listeners. You're going to receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping, of course, on all orders. And I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies Night Variety Pack so you can try them all and see which one you like the best. So you're going to go to drinkbev.com slash love me or use the code love me at checkout to claim the deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash love me. 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping and enjoy it. All right, I'm going to go drink the rest of mine and enjoy this episode. I've had like other like poltergeist kind of experiences <gasps> of nothing bad because I feel like with poltergeist, they just want to like make their presence known. They want you to know that yeah. they're there. So mostly for me, it's always just been like stuff moving around. And I'm very much one, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, I always put things in the same spot. Like I, right. cause I need to be able to find them cause I'm, I'm honestly not the most organized person, but always putting things in certain places. I always know it's going to be there and just disappear completely. And then show back up in that same spot that I just went and looked at. And, it, it, and I'm telling you, it was not there. Like one time, small, small story, really fast. Like I had moved out of the house, but my mom, she, um, ran a restaurant and I worked for her. So I was, um, coming and I was like, I'm going to pick you up and then we'll go to work together. And so I walked up, I walked in the house with all of my stuff, walked up into her office. There was a bed in her office 
I sat down, put my key in my bag next to me, got up, used the bathroom. And then we came back and she goes, okay, I'm ready to leave. And I went to go grab my bag and my keys and the keys were not there. The keys were nowhere to be found. And I only, I walked right in the house and went right to that spot and then used the bathroom and there's nowhere else they could have been. So turns out later that night she left work before I did came home and she's like and she called the restaurant she's like you'll never guess where the keys were and I was like Stop. where she goes on the bed on the bed You're where like, no, no, you no. sat and I was like we tore the bed up we, we looked behind the bed we looked under the bed we pulled we pulled everything off and the keys were just right there that's so infuriating because you're like, I know I'm not crazy. You're like, I, I know these keys weren't there. I know. But I always feel like sometimes when I try to tell these stories to people, they treat me like I'm crazy. Oh, 100%. But meanwhile, like, as you're saying that I'm like, oh, for sure. I've had that where I've like looked in places where keys would never be. Mm -hmm. And then they're exactly where I left them, but they weren't there. Exactly. Yes. And it's not like, oh, they were right under my nose. I didn't see it. No, they were not there. No. Someone's Ooh. fucking with us, but <laughs> so other shady <laughs> shit. Did you watch the Nexium series on HBO about that cult? So I didn't watch the, I haven't watched that yet, but I, I have done a podcast about them before. So I am familiar with what they were doing. And it was so like, I mean, it's so crazy that like the more I looked into like doing not joining cults, but the more I like <laughs> study, although I, I am very cult susceptible. Like my friends joke with me. Cause like, I, you know, I, I've bought Arbon, I did Bikram, I did landmark. Like I've done all these things oh, that are just like yeah, yeah, borderline yeah, yeah. culty, you know, where I've been like, I've drinking the Kool-Aid, like, so Jonestown, I'm very cool. USA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've been, oh, you've been yeah. there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or the cool, it wasn't Kool-Aid. It was like, it was like off-brand Kool-Aid, which I think is really, <laughs> really funny that they were like, don't even get them the good stuff, get them the fake stuff. But so I'm very cold susceptible, but the more I like was studying these certain cults, like they all start the same. So it's wild that people can still like are still falling for it because they're all the same formula. It's like a charismatic guy. And then he gets you to believe in something and then you have to have sex with him. And then you're in, you know, like, it's (laughs) just, it's like every cult. It's like, why do we all like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of bizarre. I mean, I, there, there definitely is a psychology behind it. And I really am curious to know more about it because I feel like it takes a person who's in a place in their life and mentally that they would fall into something like that. Mm -hmm. And, but just watching these people get so deep into it and become such hardcore believers of it. I don't know that I could fully give myself away to that because I know a lot of people that have done, not a lot. I know a few people that have done landmark and those kind of Mm -hmm. things, but it's not market. It's not like, Hey, come live in our commune. Let's have like orgies on the weekends. Right. And you're going to, you're going to pray to this dude. It's like landmark form was, was very much presented as like a, an education for living. They can't lead with the orgies, but that's why they, they <laughs> like, because even, so I'm from Utah and okay. you know, that's like Mormon capital. And even mm-hmm. though it's like technically a religion, but be, considering how new it is, it is, could be categorized as it's a very cult. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're honestly very lovely people. They're really warm and welcoming and friendly and generous, but some of the shit that they 
buy into or believe is pretty bonkers. Have you? They have religious underwear. Yeah. I just did actually just did a whole deep dive on Mormons because I was interested because I didn't know much about it. So I did just a deep dive on it. And yeah, even though it's a religion, it is still like some of it is still rooted on like, well, I mean, which, which a lot of religions are about like one guy kind of is like, says one thing and everyone's like, that's it. That's the whole thing. You know, like this one guy was just like, I saw, I was chosen to like do all this stuff. I found that like they, I did the plates and you just have to listen to me. And everyone was like, sure. You know, like, and I feel like it's, but it's because people want to believe in something. I want to take a quick break and ask you if you've ever said to yourself, I love the fact that I have the same few pairs of sheets since just after college and I've never really liked them, but I'm just going to keep washing them every week and putting them back on my bed like it's totally normal. Well, you need to stop it. And Brooklinen can make that voice in your head and those nasty ass sheets on your bed go away for good. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting, and they are so confident you'll love their products. They even offer a 365 money back guarantee. And I am such a sheet and bedding snob. I've wasted so much money on trying to find the best sheets that I can possibly get. And I've just been disappointed. They just don't hold up after a few washes. And we've been sleeping on our Brooklyn and sheets for a while now. And I'm telling you, every time Tom and I get in bed, we're just like, oh, this is so comfortable. It's so cozy. It's like when you go stay at a really nice hotel and you get in the bed and you're like, I don't want to leave. That's what it's like every single night sleeping on our sheets. So I'm forever sold. And Brooklinen has so much more than just sheets. They have pillows and comforters and bath towels, eye masks, and even loungewear plus more. And right now, especially we're taking our comfort so seriously. So why not upgrade your sleep experience or give something cozy to someone you love this holiday season? And I'm going to hook you up with some savings now. Go to brooklinen.com, use promo code LOVEME to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Enter code LOVEME. For 10% off your first order plus free shipping and sleep like a boss. All right, I'm going to go take a little snooze in my Brooklyn and Sheets now while you listen to the rest of the episode. The root of a lot of religion or cults, if yeah. you will, is just like having mm-hmm. faith in something. It's like you can't, it's like they don't have enough faith in themselves and just the fact that we're just souls living in these vessels for yeah. a, t- a period of time that there has to be something bigger, something greater, mm-hmm. and also to have faith in something beyond. My conclusion with all these things, well, you know, not so much cults, but at least religion is like, you can, like, I'm all for you believing in something as long as like your path to get to where you need to be isn't rooted in like hurting other people in hatred. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you don't have to hate anyone to get to your heaven, like I'm like, believe in whatever you want, but there's so many, you know, people that, don't subscribe to necessarily that. But when it, like with the Nexium stuff, when it gets down to like branding, <laughs> that was the fucking crazy. That would have been a thing. tipping point for me. I would have been like, yo, <laughs> no. But at that point, I think it's like, how far can we go with this? Like how much control do we have? It felt like a control thing to me. When people get power, especially power over people, they're going to abuse that power and see how far they can push it. 
Oh, absolutely. It's terrifying. No, the next, the Nexium cult was, did it get into the, when they would like blindfold people and bring them to like the shed and like, yeah, that that was the, people didn't know who they were having sex with. And that was like the whole branding situation Mm -hmm. is because like within the Nexium thing, there was like different like little groups subgroups of of it all Mm -hmm. whether Mm -hmm. it was you know and so this became something and you know it was supposed to be a bonding thing and and then like there was someone who would have six people under them and they would be the master and they had to call them master (laughs) I think you're right in saying that like they the root of them is like the way that they hook people is by like saying like, you're going to have a better life. You're going to be free from this thought and all this stuff, which is like the weirdest thing, but it it's all part of like the mind control of like, we want to wipe your brain of whatever it is that was like, you know, was bugging you so that we can kind of get in there and, and tell you things. It's just such a bizarre concept to be, to also to have that in you to be like, I want to be a cult leader. <laughs> like, like, you know what I want? I would love people to brand my name. And the part about that, and this is like kind of graphic that always like, is like, I mean, not no pun intended, but it's like seared in my brain is that when the women are talking about being branded, it's like, you think of it, of it, like when you see like a cow, you know, when you, what it's just like, and they're like, no, 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 no. It's like getting a tattoo. So it's like a laser that they slowly, and then it's just other women holding you down to get it. Yeah. That's where I'd be. Bye. That's where I'd be out. We all agree that Nexium was fucking crazy. Yes. yes. It was it was and a little slow, drug a little bit, a little bit of repeat, but all in all, I was shook. But it was nothing like midsummer, where there's that's right. There's midsummer. Literal like murderers. Or people, what did they do? Jump off a cliff before they get too old? It was like uncut gems, but the reverse feeling for me. Whereas uncut gems made me so anxious as to what was going on. Midsummer, I was just kind of like the exact opposite with like of like, I really don't want to be here right now. Like I just had no like when I was watching that movie, I was like, I kind of hate all of it. But it was like enthralling because I was like, what the fuck are these people doing? But I was also just like Mm-hmm. I had like no thoughts or feelings towards any of it. No, I, well, there was another movie I watched and I can't remember what it's called. I think it was called ending or something like that. And it was the same like cult situation, but they were stuck in a time mm-hmm. loop in a time loop. That would be terrible. And these two brothers like left the cult and then they came back and everyone like still looked the same age and everything. And it was, it was a very disturbing thing because that would be, Honestly, like my worst nightmare to be stuck in a time loop. Yeah. Like one of those like Groundhog Day movies. Yeah. But worse, except, but worse. except you're like yeah. in a cult <laughs> and yeah. You but, have to keep reliving that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're in agreement of not wanting to join a cult. <laughs> Correct. Like on accident, if it happens, see, I feel like though, I feel, I would hope that I know enough, like I said, about cults, because they all kind of follow the same formula. They're like, we're going to make your life better. There's one dude that there's a picture of him and you have to like him and you have to like suck his toes or whatever the (laughs) fucking rule is for that one. I think once it got to that point, I feel like hopefully I would have enough sparts. But this is the other thing that's also for all cults. They make you give them personal information so that they can use it against you. That was, that's yeah. the thing why people like, I think stay. Cause, because that's also it's fucking Scientology. Yeah. They do that gosh. too. Oh my gosh. That's a whole nother one too, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But they also like will send mm-hmm. people after you to like stalk you like PIs and stuff to like 
literally make your life hell if you try to leave. It's like the QAnon of religion. <laughs> like they will fucking find you and they'll torment you on the internet with, or in real life. Yeah. With some, <laughs> but with even crazier theories. With, yeah, with even crazier things. Cause they get the information pretty early on. Like it's even before like the brainwashing thing. So I just feel like I would question it. I hope I would be smart enough that if somebody was like, tell us anything that could ruin your life, I'd be like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to believe I'm smarter than that. But again, I did Landmark and I really thought Bikram was life-changing. What's wrong with Bikram though? Well, besides him being a bit of a... That's the only cr- thing. Okay. They, yeah. But besides that, I'd never looked better. I think I started that documentary about that whole Bikram thing. I've only done Bikram like two times and it was hell. So it's not for me. Wrong cult for me. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I want the non-sweating cult, please. (laughs) I think it's that thing that where, you know, when you get really into a certain workout, it does kind of become very like, oh yeah, culty. Yeah. Like spinning, like spinning, like, you know, people say like, like boot camp or like, uh, right. Or what's the one where you flip tires and shit? Oh, uh, CrossFit. CrossFit. <laughs> yes. Like that one. Some like biblical type workouts, just like rolling stones and boulders up a hill. Like, why are there so many ropes in the gyms now? Like, just give me a goddamn dumbbell. Like I'm not <laughs> trying to pull a tractor anywhere. Not well, for me. I, that's why I do Pilates. Cause um, a lot of it is horizontal. You get to lay down. I love a good lay down workout. <laughs> like the whole, <laughs> nobody should stand up, <laughs> <laughs> but it's harder than it looks. Um, I'm, I'll give it that. But speaking of shady shit. So you're a comedian. <laughs> I'm a and I'm sure there's, yes. I'm, I know that shady shit. I just, <laughs> I'm sure there's so many shady things that go down, especially like maybe the oh beginning of your career. Like, did you ever do stand up in like someone's basement or like still do still do <laughs> 10 years later, I was in a fucking basement yesterday. You do find yourself in the weirdest, like this, the life is, is so weird. I mean, obviously it's on hold right now, but that's why there's like, people are finding weird things. Like, like, yeah, it was like, Hey, can you do it in this basement of this restaurant? But we're only going to allow like 10 people in. And I'm like, why is, what are we all doing? Like, I'd rather just watch the bachelorette live, you know, like I don't know (laughs) what is happening, (laughs) but there's definitely, you know, the thing with comedy is that, yeah, you get asked to do like weird shows, weird places for weird people for, and then people like change the money on you. Sometimes it's just like, it's weird things like that. Or, you know, they try not to pay you or they, you know, they, people, people's expectations of comedians is really funny because they really truly will be like, can you drive three hours and I'm going to give you 20 bucks, but you can like bring a friend and you're like, (laughs) and what, who cares? Like, Like what? So, I mean, there is the internet now there is the internet, like driving three hours, but I mean, I'm, I do love stand up so much. Like anytime, anytime there's like a new special on Tom's like, Oh, you want to watch this? And I'll rewatch them like over and over again. Like they're fun. It's a fun thing. There's so much fun, but I know I have a couple friends who are comedians and they are women. And I feel like like people have such issue with women telling jokes and women being funny, or if their sense of humor and their materials dirty, they're like extra critical of them. And like, have you had that experience of being a, a female comic that, you know, there's larger hurdles or that there's harsher criticism? Absolutely. And 
I've definitely felt that it's almost more so, I think I was so naive when I first started that I, like, I didn't have any preconceived notions that I was being treated differently or if I was like, but now, you know, looking back, you're like doing these shows that are like hot chips of comedy. It's like, why can't it just be called a show or being the fact that, you know, a lot of lineups will only have one woman. And, you know, at the time when you're trying to get as much stage time as you can, you don't ever think of that as like a non-inclusion thing. If you're like the one person, but you know, as I sit back, I'm like, yeah, these, these lineups were never quite quite as equal as they should have been. But I definitely, I think my crew when I started was guys and I almost feel like there was like a little bubble, like where I didn't really realize maybe some of it because I was always just with men, but then that should have been the flag in my head to be like, (laughs) oh, you know, maybe women are scared of this. But I like women talk about a lot about being at like open mics and men are just being like super derogatory and talking about like, you know, mistreating women and all that stuff. And I guess I always knew in my head that those people were never going to make it. So they didn't affect me. You know, I'm like, but this guy's only telling rape jokes. Like he's not going to get very far. No, no, no. He's going to, he's going to live in this bread shop slash open mic place forever. It's still there. It's on Melrose. Shout out to Sal's. Uh, (laughs) It's a bread shop. But like, I just kind of always figured that they were not, it just didn't affect me because it wasn't about me. But I also understand how it would turn a lot of women off to, you don't want to sit in a room and hear about that. Right. But I guess I always just either, well, you know, I wasn't I didn't always pay attention to every comic because it gets fucking boring. And then I I always just figured they wouldn't be successful. (laughs) But in terms of like your material, do you ever try to like skew away from things? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. There have been, you know, cause they, you also like sometimes read a crowd and and I would fall into a thing being like, oh, maybe they don't want it. But surprisingly, sometimes I, I would read a crowd wrong. And sometimes I'd see a crowd of like old people and be like, okay, don't say dick. But then that's like, they love it. Right. You know, like it's just you, some, at a certain point, I think more recently, I've just gotten more comfortable being like, my jokes are my jokes. And I'm just going to do, I'm going to do what makes me comfortable. And some people wouldn't agree with that. I think some people are like, you do have to tailor it here. And obviously if I'm doing a PG 13 show, I'm not going to tell the dirtier ones. I've also like, after 10 years, I still am pretty still I'm dirty and I still cuss a lot, but I've gotten out of some of my dirtier stuff. But again, when I first started, I didn't realize how dirty I was being until, you know what I mean? Like, and then sometimes I'll go back and watch some of my old clips and I'm like, Oh my God, you filthy, you're filthy. <laughs> but, it's, you know? but I hate, I hate the, the thing that like where women can't talk about dirty things. Well, why no. not? And they can't talk. I'm sorry. I, I can't talk about being a woman I, either. Well, yeah. God forbid you talk about your vagina on stage. You'll make every man uncomfortable or like, I know. you know, like why can't we tell poop jokes? I think farting and pooping is hilarious. And guess what? What's, what is more universal than that? I totally agree with you. And I think that anybody that thinks that poop jokes are lowbrow, it's like to you, but there's a whole lot of people who think it's fucking funny. It is funny. I'm laughing right now, just thinking about dumb, like, TikToks and shit that I see. If you want things to be funny, I think you got to be relatable. And like, I was definitely like on YouTube watching some clips of your standup. And it's so relatable when you're talking about like camel toe. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) Sorry, sorry dudes if you can't relate to that, but that's funny to like the other half of the population. I've always tried to walk the line of being, being able to talk about woman things. I've always tried to make sure that the joke's hopefully, even if they don't understand camel toe, they could still 
like they would still know what dressing to the left meant, you know, because <laughs> yeah. the joke is obviously about putting both lips on one side. But I, so I always, I always tried to do that and I didn't always succeed. Like there are definitely times when I have a, when, when women are the ones who are laughing and I see men kind of like get glazed over, but you know, like you said, it's like find the audience. And I just try to look at the people that are laughing instead of look at the person that's not, which is so hard to do as much as yeah. it seems like it wouldn't be. But I, I think you'll appreciate this. I just uh, have this new joke. Cause I just, I got married during the quarantine. Oh, that's so. right. Congratulations. So it worked. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was like, well, if we're locked in the house, should we, should we just figure this out? I need, <laughs> I need a dental insurance, but also we love each other. Um, <laughs> but I have this new joke where I say, say, you know, we, we've gotten really comfortable. Obviously we're married now. And like, my husband doesn't mind that I fart in front of him. He just really hates that I make eye contact with him when I do it. He's like, <laughs> you don't have to bring me into this. And I'm like, well, what's mine is yours. You know, like, <laughs> sharing this together. We're, we're married now. It's our body, you know? So, oh my God, I think it's, I love fart jokes. And that's a, that's a joke I wrote last week. So it's still funny. Just even no, when you're 38, no eye contact. <laughs> No, just don't look at me when you do it. Cause I always look at him like for, for like approval. He's like, I'm not part of this. Just fucking fart. I'm like, okay, <laughs> stop making it about me. Cause that's <laughs> yeah. Heteronormative bullshit that like, you know, women don't poop or fart or anything like that. We it's, don't have buttholes. It's gross if we do. And it's like, some guys are like, but I just think women are so beautiful. I'm like, don't try to paint it as some kind of like, you're putting us on a pedestal and we're perfect. Yeah. Like get that out of your head. I mean, it's uncomfortable. I mean, I, fart. <laughs> I try not to fart in front of Tom because it's just like, <laughs> I get it. No, it's, it's, it can definitely ruin a dinner, you know, <laughs> it could, you know, for the obvious reasons, but like there's, yeah. there's, there's a few times where like I do. And he's just, just like, looks at me like, Oh, the first time it ever happened, <laughs> the first time it ever happened, like I was sitting on the couch and he was laying on the floor. Cause he's a floor person. Mm -hmm. We've said we, there's, there's horse girls, there's certain people. And then there's floor people. Tom is a floor person. Mm -hmm. My dad was a floor person. Yeah. And so he was, we were watching a movie and it was just kind of one of those things where it was just like, am I going to get a stomach ache or should, you know, I just let it go because that's what's, you know, and I did and it was <laughs> quiet, but then he decided mm -hmm. to turn around and crawl towards me to come give me a kiss. Oh, and I, and I no. <laughs> panicked and I did one of these where I held my hand up and I was like, no, 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 no. But he had already <laughs> crossed the threshold that he was like, it, I, I saw the moment of contact. You saw his eyes water. <laughs> his eyes, and he was like, <gasps> and we, like, we were just, we weren't married or engaged or anything at this point. And I was just like, Oh, here it is. Here's the end of it. But it has to be at some point. Yeah. See, I'm lucky. My husband has no sense of smell. Um, <laughs> so like he truly, if I was a silent farter, that'd be one thing, but I, I'm lactose intolerant, almost live exclusively on cheese. So there's like, there's, there's issues. I'm uncomfortable most of the time, but my, the worst, <laughs> so now, I mean, again, now that we're married and lived through a pandemic, I'm like, at this point, you know, I'm just like, my body's going to do what it's going to do. But when I was still dating people, I remember, have you ever had like the half asleep when you're like in the morning, like farts <laughs> where you're like half asleep and they're like mad at you because it's been a weekend now and you haven't shit. So your body's like, eh, like your body's like yelling at you. Like you left it at a club. It's like, bah! you're like, Oh my God. Like it like wakes you up. That's, that was my, that was my fear. 
that I would wake, I woke myself up from afar and then I like would look over and luckily the guy would maybe just be being nice, but like sleeping, but those were the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when you go over to guy's house for the first time and you're like, um, you know, you start to get that bubble in your gut and you're like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, but then the bathroom's the right next to where you're sitting. And you're like, can you turn up the TV or like, can you go get me a glass of water? So they're not right outside the door. No, that's where you have everything. to literally spread your cheeks so that it's only air. You know, you have to literally just get in there, open your cheeks so that it doesn't reverberate. It's just, it's a trick. Listen, you learn the tricks of the trade, like at a dinner party, <laughs> just make the candles <laughs> smell like shit, you know, help us out. <laughs> so I can't breathe. I was also <laughs> make them smell like poop. The candles light guys it. don't even know because with them, with the, with the anatomy of a female, sometimes with a fart is like that it will travel in a different direction. And then it still sounds like a fart. <laughs> it still sounds like a fart. So I was listening to someone or something somewhere where someone's like, when you feel that, and then you have to like suck it back in and like re it out. Uh, yeah. Have we lost it's everyone? You... Is anyone still listening? <laughs> Listen, if you guys are still there, but I get what you're saying, cause it's like, if you're going to fart and then you have to suck it in and then by the time it comes out, it's two farts. <laughs> it's, two. it's double potent. Cause it was ready to go. And then you forced it to go do another lap. <laughs> and then by the time it comes out, it's like, excuse you. <laughs> See, this is Listen. why fart, fart jokes always land with me. You're always going to laugh out of me for that. Have you ever been heckled on stage or people? Yes. I've been heckled. Oh yeah. Is it, is it from men or women? Both, both, both. I mean, it, it is no lie that the worst hecklers are drunk white women. They just, you know, <laughs> they think that they own the club. And especially now that people are so sensitive, it's like so often now people are just fully like, you can't like, will fully yell at you. Like you can't say that or, or something like that, or, or fully just like stand up. And it's just, it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine with anybody that wants to leave because they're uncomfortable. Just like, don't ruin it for everybody else. I feel like with comedy and if, you, if you're going into a comedy club it's like you know going into it's a lawless land I feel like like it's 100%. got percent like we got like this is supposed to be the time that we laugh at all the things whether they're inappropriate or not I mean and I'm not talking about like racist jokes there's no room for that people take it to another level with what they want to get upset about. And it's also, it's like, they're getting upset because they think that on like behalf of other people, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's like, they'll sit like, it's, it, I'm like, you're not in charge of, of emotions and feelings. Like you're not the leader of this group of whatever the jokes are. It, it is, it's comedy is, is definitely, it's gotten wild with this whole thing. But I, I, I do think that that will be one of the positives that come out of this. I think by the time things are up and running hundred percent in comedy clubs. I, I think people will be a little more like reluctant to kind of be trigger happy on, on being offended so easily. I think people are going to just kind of be like, you know what? We've all just been through something together. Yeah. It's been a rough like, year. It's all just, it's been a fucking, it's been a wild one. There will be some good things, you know? I mean, I think we're going to get plastic straws back too. So that's exciting. <laughs> Damn it. After this year. <laughs> yeah. After I just in, invested in like a whole like supply. I mean, I, like you would think that I was having a summer camp. I was placed with how many of those 
paper straws. I do not fuck with paper straws. Don't fuck with them. I don't want, I don't want to make a mess out of my drink. You know, it's like, they, they, it's like soggy. Like, are you kidding me? I don't want to do that, but no, the, the metal ones. Oh yeah. I don't know. What, oh, I don't so know what they're made out of, but they're metal. I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> steel or what they are, but they're better than the paper. Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, I think it's just little things like that. Like after this, people are like, okay, you fuck the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them hard. <laughs> oh, you know. well, cause I'm, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping if, if 2020 did anything for us, it's sharpened our sense of humor a little bit. Like we, I hope we, so. like, we gotta have it. Cause I, I need more comedy in my life, my life, yeah. my life. I, I need that. Like it's, it's, it's an escape for me. I can laugh at myself. I can laugh at other people, which I enjoy more, but it's supposed to be an escape. It's not supposed to be something that people are looking to poke holes in. You know, it's like for a while people were just trying so hard to, to poke holes in things. And it's like, we've, we've, we've still got to be able to see certain things as, and I'm not talking about again, like these people that get on stage and just start talking about, you know, abuse or, or, or racism and start doing that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about if you're at a, if you're at a regular club and seeing a show, you have to kind of assume that most of the people there are, have been doing it for a while. And so they, they know their lines and they know when they're crossing them, but they, but a lot of times I think the most controversial comedy is like very smart. Cause I think mm-hmm. you have to be able to be able to be successful and be controversial and to also get, deliver the punchline and make people laugh. That's actually the smarter, the, the smart, most, most smartest. <laughs> it's actually like the fucking Jesus. It's, it's actually really, really smart humor, like some of the most controversial stuff. Yeah. So if so people could just hear that mm-hmm. instead of like hearing a buzzword and then, you know, flags fly off and they want to ruin <laughs> everybody else's night. It's just, it's a great way to filter people for, you know, smart people. <laughs> it's my, yeah. It's just be like, Oh, you're the dumbest one here tonight. So sorry <laughs> for your loss. <laughs> has there, has there ever been any kind of comment or anything that someone has made towards you against you on social or at a club that like has really rocked you? Well, here's one that I, that I vividly remember. It was like before I was actually kind of like really doing comedy. I had just done this this thing that my, like an old acting teacher had like set me up with, and it was literally just called hot girls tell dirty jokes. And I had just started comedy. And so I go and do this thing and I, and it was like just a little film snippet. And of course, like I didn't ask questions. Like I didn't fucking know what was going on. And I did a couple of my jokes and they're like here. And they handed me like a stock sheet of like dumb jokes to read, like the really like offensive street jokes. And so I read it and it was like that dumb, like, do you remember that old joke about how did the priest make the little boy cry twice? No. <laughs> he wiped his bloody thing off on his teddy bear. That's the joke. It's a terrible, it's a terrible fucking joke. So here I am. That joke ends up as a thumbnail, like on the front page of E-bombs world circa like 2007. Like when E-bombs was really fucking pumping out the stuff that people were wanting to see. I was on the front, front page. There were then 25 pages of comments. Oh my God. Of people being like, jump off a bridge, make me a sandwich. Why isn't she in the kitchen? Slit your wrist. Where's the hot chick? She's like 25 pages of people just like, and I, and I, and it's just like, and it is like at a certain point, you're kind of like, okay, it's funny. But when you do read like 
25 pages of people that just are like making fun of what, how you look and all that stuff. And, and I think I was only like 26 at the time. So I wasn't, you know, I was still kind of fragile as a woman yeah. and, and I just remember, and that was even before like social media now with like, you know, now that I have more clips and YouTube clips of, yeah, you know, but I just remember being kind of like, cause it was also, I think an ex-boyfriend that like said, do you know that you're on the front page of this? And I was like, I mean, hit me while I'm down. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it can be hard when, especially cause I feel like comedians, it's like, like it's a very vulnerable thing because you get on stage, you don't, people might not know you might be a new comic and then you're telling jokes and you've got to get them to laugh. And otherwise, like, I, I don't know if I could do that because if I didn't get the response I wanted and I don't need the response I want, but I'm just saying it might be discouraging. So how, oh, so how do you, yeah. like what, what if like practices have you used to not let those moments get the best of you and be able to go back repeatedly? I think it just literally comes with time. I yeah. think I can't say it enough after all this. I think you really, things get put into perspective. Like I'm not as fearful of failure anymore because you know, it's like we all kind of essentially got wiped out for a few months. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of like, we're all kind of reworking and relearning the skill. Cause honestly, I get more scared of other comics watching me and thinking I'm not funny than, than what uh, somebody in the audience has to say that, you know, if you get like that old man that like, you know, hits you on the shoulder, like he's your uncle and is like, keep working at it. You're like, no, what if I quit today? Because you're an asshole. <laughs> like I just, it's, I think it comes with time and, and the more you do it, the more comfortable you are and the more comfortable you can kind of feel in like a silence. If a joke doesn't hit, I kind of was doing that. Like I would just talk and talk and talk until I essentially got the response I wanted almost so much so that sometimes like my dad would be like, I couldn't even laugh at that one joke. Cause you don't shut up. You know? <laughs> and so, but I've gotten more comfortable in the silence and you learn the tricks too. An audience loves when you're doing terrible and you acknowledge that you're doing terrible. Then they fucking love you. <laughs> like if you're bombing and you're just like, wow, you guys hate me. They love that. Yeah. So humility is the key. They <laughs> love when you feel like an idiot. Yes. Humility. <laughs> is the, is the comedian realm, the world of other comedians? Is it, is there camaraderie? Do people give you feedback or are they just mostly like, oh, they suck. So I'm just going to tell them they did good. So they don't like, is it, how competitive does it get? I mean, it's a little bit, it's definitely competitive. It's a little bit of all of it. Like you find your tribe, you know, you find the people and cause it's, cause even though comedy, it's just all called stand up. There's so many different styles and right. like, you know, my style, a person that maybe doesn't do the same style as me might not think I'm funny and vice versa. You know, we might be able to respect what each other's doing, but there's a lot of comics that are that do really well that like, you know, I, it's just not, we're just different styles. You know, there's definitely competition when you see people getting stuff, but it, it's like you said earlier, it's like eyes on your own paper a little bit. You kind of just have to keep doing what you do and just as stupid as it is, it really is just like believing it's just having confidence. Like so many comics have so much of what they have because they're confident. Right. Yeah. You know, whereas like I get off stage and I will hit myself in the head if I missed one word or if one thing, like I, I'm so self-critical of myself that like, I think it's to a fault that it's like, 
it's, it's deterred me and it's like hindered me from going after things. Cause I was, I'm so scared, but I, I'm, I feel like, like I said, after this, I feel like I'm less so much that because I realized I can live without comedy, but I do love it still, you know, but like after these months of not doing it or only doing it on zoom, I was like, Oh, I can, it's not my whole identity. It's not a so personality feel, trait that you, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not my whole person person that almost makes it less precious. Okay. You know? yeah. now, now I kind of feel like I can fuck around a little bit more. Do you feel like the people that do go full in, like it is like their identifier that they're the ones that tend to be the sad clowns, the ones that are really funny on stage, but off stage they're like awkward or like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like part of times like people like play into that it's a character they like yeah. it's like a character like oh i'm actually like really like somber off stage and like i i oh, save yeah. myself for on stage i don't i feel like that's kind of like this like sense of like narcissism or something that plays into it where it's just like i i don't know what do you make of that you're standing on a stage being like and by yourself mm-hmm telling people to shut up if they don't listen to you. Like it's <laughs> extremely narcissistic. And, and I do think you get both sides of that. You either have the person who's never not on, like you have the person who doesn't turn it off from stage to backstage. And then you also have the people who are on stage so charismatic and you can't even have a conversation with them backstage because they're so weird and awkward. Yeah. I mean, I just think it, it's just a difference in like creatives, you know, like the creative brain works so weird that sometimes you only get to turn it on at certain points and you can't like navigate it when you're off and other people just don't have like a regular setting. Do you think some people amp it up to try to like create a mystere or something like that? Oh yeah. I think, I think people absolutely develop personas and characters to try to see if like, if, if it works, but I'm also not mad at it. It's like, we're all just throwing shit against the wall and seeing <laughs> yeah. what the fuck sticks. Do you know? Like we're all trying to do something that is going to be exciting. And so if somebody's like, some weird thing. I'm just like, do you? But I do think that comic, they're the weirdest. They collectively fucking oddballs, all of them. Yeah. I mean, it definitely takes a certain kind of person to be able to get on stage and, and talk some shit or something, but I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now, but yes. <laughs> and to think that you can like, what a wild thing to be like, you know what? I got shit to say. Like, it's such a wild thing for anyone to think that they can do. Well, it's crazy. I think it's, I think it's a lot harder than people think because there's like, there's tone when it comes to executing, it's like having that timing and that tone of it all. That's like actually surprisingly really hard. I've tried it mm-hmm. alone in my bedroom. <gasps> yes. Yes. <laughs> Didn't go so well. <laughs> surprisingly practicing stand up is like it, you would probably do a lot better with actually a response, like doing like an open, like to actually practicing it to nothing is way harder than actually trying to say it out loud because you kind of work through those weird kinks or, or like you just find words until somebody laughs. Yeah. You have to be interesting enough. Like there's some people that are so funny, but you watch them and you're like, you're like, like the one thing doesn't connect. Yeah. Reading an audience, engaging the temperature in the room and being able to adapt and having that sort of interaction, I think always helps, right? (laughs) It is harder than people think because that's the number one thing that people always say. If you say you're a comic, people are always like, oh, I I could do that. Or I want to do that. Like a lot of people aspire or think that they can, but it's interesting. You know, like a lot of people in the audience too would be like, my friends always say I should be a comic. Ah, and you're like, okay, well yeah, go to an open mic then start it out. <laughs> go try it out. Go do it. 
but that's like the weirdest heckle. People say the same thing about reality. They're like, me and my friends are crazy. If we had a reality show, oh my God. Yeah, that is something that people say. I'm like, all right. I mean, a lot of people say that, but it's a lot harder than you think it is, but... Yeah. You're like, you want me to break down all the shit we actually are doing? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to literally air the most intimate, embarrassing things that ever happened to you in your life? Oh, you don't? Okay, then no. Okay. (laughs) Then you and your friends should not have a show. (laughs) Be boring as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this has been so much fun. I want to try to end my episodes this way. I've been failing at it, but I'm going to be a lot better at it. So I have a history of rage texting. I think it's necessary therapeutic most of the time also reckless as shit but i like to ask people what their rage texts of the day or the week would be to anything or anyone it's not rage texting but it's about war dialing um because this was like before texting you know when you just repeat call someone forever <laughs> because they won't answer i was dating this guy and he was awful he was terrible but it was when ringback tones were a thing oh, remember ringback oh tones? yeah so we would fight and he was always at work. And of course, like, even though he said, I'm at work, I was like, I don't care where you are because I'm calling, going to call and call and call. <laughs> but it was, I don't know, to be so pissed at somebody and so frustrated. And then every time you call, so his ringback tone was a uh, kid rock. It was 1989. My thoughts were so, could oh you imagine being so angry at the person you're dating? And then they keep hanging up on you. And every time you call back, you have to hear, it was 1989. My thoughts were like so just over and over. I oh was like steaming with rage and then just having to listen to Kid Rock. But that was me. That was me war dialing. Um, but I guess my rage text would be to Mike Pence because I would say to him, you know, grow up. It's time to go by Michael. You're in the White House. <laughs> I Nobody like- wants a VP named Mike. <laughs> I love that condescending as fuck. I love it. Condescending. Uh, yes. I know. <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's great therapy just to like, let it out, but just let it out. Thank you. Also make sure everyone go listen to her podcast. If you're into all kinds of shady shit, it's called shady shit. Where can people find you on social? I'm at caseface B on Instagram, C-A-S-E-F-A-C-E-B. And then just at Casey Balsham on Twitter. But I like Instagram better. So come over there. Yeah. She's hilarious, everyone. All right. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Follow along on social at Music Kills Kate and tune in next week for an all new episode. 